Hello, and welcome to another adventurous, action-packed episode of Unprofessional. I am Dave Wiskus, joined by my good friend and yours, Mr. Lex Friedman. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me. Se- sexy Lexi Friedman. That's what they call me. <laughs> and uh, our guest today is, uh, uh, you know him from 80% of your Twitter timeline, Mr. Glenn Fleischman. <laughs> Hi, Glenn. Hello. <laughs> Only 80%? I thought I was... Well, I got to work on that average. Well, I've got a bunch of hashtags muted, so that helps. <laughs> Someone the other day tried to get me to stop... Or to, to hashtag my, quote, controversial tweets. Because they were interested in some of the things I said, and not all of them. And they wanted me to edit myself, to metadata tag myself for their pleasure. I saw, And then you blocked them. And I felt bad only because that person also follows me. So he's clearly a fan, just a kind of a douchey one. I thought it was easier. I figured it was easier to just hashtag him as a block as opposed to hashtag (laughs) each of my tweets. He wasn't a bad guy. I think the problem was I was talking about marriage equality, which is something I feel strongly about. I think all marriages are equal. And uh, no, not really. Get off this uh, show. Off this show. And uh, I think he may be of a different persuasion. And rather than not listen to me or ignore those tweets, then he uh, he wanted me to tag myself. And I said, go tag yourself, buddy. I ain't tagging myself. I love hearing people tell you how to tweet. It's great. Jason Snell particularly loves that because he has a bigger following than I do. And because he is a magazine editor, I think he gets a lot of people who follow him because they're like, oh, he's this tech guy. And I, I want to hear him say tech things. And he says something that's not about technology or might be a joke. And people are like, please don't do that. It's like, no, you don't understand. This is my place this is my space it's not your space i'm an actual human being with my own thoughts and opinions yeah i'm letting you follow me and you've made the choice to follow me and i have different ideas you know not mike montero one. i just saw a day or two ago got followed and quoted by cory booker the mayor in newark and then yes. he posts he posts great. like now i've got to watch what i tweet and then i will tell you that within like two hours mike was way over that uh, <laughs> in oh, yeah. terms of watching what he tweeted which is why we love mike but i i do sometimes think to myself you know, there's a couple thousand people who follow me. Maybe I'm not going to post this because it's, I don't know, revealing, controversial, obnoxious, potentially offensive. And then about 96% of the time, I'll say I post it anyway. And it's very rare that I don't post it. And then I hate myself for, for choosing not to post it so as not to offend anyone or whatever. Well, see, I'm in a fascinating position, I realized the other day, which is that I can't per se be fired. I don't have a job. The way I work, uh, there's nobody I work for where something I said on Twitter, unless it were actually something of the nature that I don't say on Twitter, if it was actually offensive, like purposely offensive, if it was malicious, if it was libelous, like something like that, there's nothing – I'm not in a position where something I say on Twitter would actually cause me trouble in my work. And so I don't have to censor – Myself, And I think, I mean, I would say, you know, Dave, I know you're a freelancer and we're talking about work, damn it. And Lex, you've got a job. But even so, like, it'd be very difficult, I think, for any of us to say something that would – we're only censoring ourselves because of the kind of material we want to present to other people, not because of fear of, you know, repercussion for the most part. Because nothing we say, even if we're incredibly honest about everything, would probably have any repercussion on our life in a meaningful way for us. The question I always ask myself when I'm posting to Twitter is, uh, is this the asshole that I want to be? <laughs> <laughs> Not, am I going to sound like an asshole? I've just got to be very careful. Like, who, who, like, I'm okay with pissing people off. I'm okay with offending people. I just have to decide, is this how I want to do it? I'm well aware of that. The thing that I think about, too, is I long ago shot any chance I would ever have of uh, being elected to public office. So 
I because just of think, porn? Right. Because of my porn starring history. No, I mean, because there are recordings of me saying horrible things. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, you're, so, too yeah, good, I, you're too good for public office anyway. So I, I certainly, that's true. It would Thank ruin you. you. It would I, corrupt you. I don't feel like, I, I have never feared, I can't tweet this or I'll get in trouble with Macworld. Right. Um, but I do feel like, <laughs> I can't tweet this because, um, I don't know, like fans who just know me from Macworld read this or people who follow me because um, Glenn retweeted me. Right. Uh, and it's like, I, I just think about that. And I try not to think about that, but it, we, it does occur to me from time to time. We have no reputations to be ruined. We're <laughs> Right. Right. I do make it a point to not tweet anything too personal. Interesting. I, I don't. <laughs> well, by personal, I mean like, uh, like if it's a medical thing, that's fine because right. that could be funny. But if it's like... <laughs> Totally just got an erection. Hashtag whiskers. Right. <laughs> is that how you would tweet that? Yeah, of course. Okay. What, but what do you mean? What, what is too personal? Like yeah. just uh, like relationship date? stuff. Yeah. Right, right. So I went to a couple of years ago, I went through a, a bad breakup. And for a while after that, it was it got kind of dark and emo on Twitter for me. And people were complaining. <laughs> Hashtag frowny face. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag erection. <laughs> it's tricky, though, because what are the limits of what makes sense there? And because uh, this is where I always come back to for Twitter is like Twitter is my room. And people are like like the person who wanted me to hashtag I mean, he wasn't asking me to not tweet about controversial things but he wanted me to make his life easier even though he was following me to let to compartmentalize me and i think it's fantastic that i have almost nine thousand followers i love that i have a great dialogue with a ton of people i've met a bunch of great people that's how lex and i became friends that's how dave you and i became enemies that way and <laughs> no, i'm sorry and um no we became we became friends that way too and so so i, I like twitter as a great tool but i do think of it as my soapbox and and all of us have different soapboxes and we get to talk to each other. But I don't want to have, A, I don't want people to tell me what to say. And B, like the fact that I have followers means that there is something I am saying that some number of people are interested in. And, you know, it's not, I don't have a million followers, but I have enough that I say I'm, I'm clearly being interesting enough. And even at the level that I tweet that people want to follow so i sort of unless they're all muting me entirely i could have nine thousand followers and all of them are muting me their day will be up when the new twitter api comes out in march though and then they can't mute anymore when i post something on twitter and people mark it as favorite or retweet it i assume that those are the people who don't have me muted at that moment no that's a good point everybody else does that's a good point i have some fun i actually you know retweeting i, I subscribe to fave star i have to confess is my one bit of vanity because i'm sort of curious when things catch fire i'm like why do people care about this? Or I'll see something. I'm fascinated often by the stats there where, like, you know, uh, I get 200 retweets of something. And you look in Favestar, it shows you the total count of people, followers of all the people that you're um, that retweeted it or the followers for the combined total of all the people that retweeted it. And it'll be like 6,000 people. And I'm like... Okay, and then other times I have something that's retweeted ten times, like a million people, because Michelle Catalano or someone with a million followers retweets it. So there's there's this asymmetry that always fascinates me about how what the reaches of something you say on Twitter, and does it even what even matters? It doesn't even matter mostly. I don't even think that I don't think of that as vanity at all. Hmm. To me, Favestar, that's just analytics. That's me getting feedback on what's working, what's not. Because I'm not posting to Twitter because I care what I have to say. I'm posting to, to Twitter because I want other people to hear what I have to say. Of course I want an audience. I think of it as total vanity. And <laughs> I hate you. Because I, I do it all the time. And I look because I want to know why don't more people love these incredibly witty <laughs> and interesting things I'm saying. I think of it as a public performance. And I want to know how I'm doing. I want audience feedback so I can improve. 
That's very interesting. I mean, I use it partly. I'm curious. There's no for me any. There's never a pattern for me in what people retweet. Exactly. There's no freaking formula. I can't. If I could crack this formula, you know, I I do. I know. I just interrupted you like a jerk, Glenn. But I was just thinking that you know, like I think Rob Delaney uh, is a very humorous Twitterer. Twitterer. Twit. A tweeted guy, but um, I think he's very funny. <laughs> I think he's for for people with the right sense of humor. I also think he's very easily emulable. Yeah. Um, but nobody does it. Like I, for me, I certainly couldn't post to my followers jokes of the sort that he does um, because I just I don't know. I can't post public jokes to thousands of Twitter followers about asking Walmart about the lump on my penis or whatever, <laughs> and. I mean, I think they're hilarious, and I think that some of those. But I, I love that he does it, and he does it, to, you know, to to a lot of fanfare is not the right word, but to a lot of appreciation. He's got many, many followers who who favorite and retweet things that he says, and like I usually don't even retweet him because they're so crass and vulgar. But yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I I do generally agree with Glenn's broader point, though. I feel like that I haven't found a formula that, other than B. Rob Delaney. I haven't found a formula that really works for getting consistently getting you know tweets that people love, and I I honestly think. In my case, it's because I'm on the East Coast and I have my funniest tweets first thing in the morning. And people like Glenn, who don't read every tweet, don't see them, so they never know. But you should save them until later in the day. I should, should. replay them. No, I think there's um, there's also this thing. It's the big head, long tail deal that always happens, which is that Rob Delaney and there's a number of people who are very popular because they're on Twitter on the early side. And once you achieve a certain level of scale and you're consistent, there are other people who are just as funny as Rob Delaney. I would wager and are not found. Uh, and some people get discovered and boosted up because they're like comedians, comedians. So pe- Rob Delaney, one reason he's so popular. So Rob Delaney isn't a celebrity in the way that we understand a celebrity. I think. I mean, he's become popular popular and he and he now performs uh, you know more widely than he used to but he doesn't have a national tv show he's not someone who's you know he's not in big movies he's um wasn't like a big frontline comedian um but what happened is i think is that people who are comedians and have these huge followings they love rob delaney they think he's funny and sometimes he's edgier than they're willing to be so if you're a Patton oswald who is you know now this great big worldwide celebrity and has a huge number of followers and is very consistently funny himself and you're retreating Rob Delaney. Rob Delaney gets that amazing network effect, and then you get that reinforcing thing. As long as he's consistently funny the way he is, he's a comedian's comedian, and he gets that effect from actual celebrities who, in effect, turn him into one. And you know, we saw this happen with Paul F. Tompkins too. Is his career has had a huge boost, you know, partly from Facebook and largely from Twitter, where he fills. Uh, theaters now when he tours because he is a comedian's comedian and he got I think a big network effect from people who had real audiences in the real world that that flocked to him on Twitter. What's amazing to me right now is I just loaded up Rob Delaney's timeline and his <laughs> most recent tweet is yes. a retweet of Katy Perry from 2010 <laughs> and it's the actual Katy Perry account and I don't understand how this ever happened but the tweet. <laughs> His quote, uh, I just want you to know there is a typo on the word recurrent. You know that he's obviously just it's a pure native Twitter retweet from Katy Perry. So she misspelled uh, reoccurrent. But uh, is it normal to have the reoccurrent rash with blisters on my vagina? Question mark, question mark, question mark. I think it's the third question mark that really puts it over the top for me. Wait, is he? Is, she wanted sure? to know. It's not, a, it's not a fake one. Where it he's... is a real retweet. That's it's what makes it incredible. Oh I, I, I mean... I can't wow. even. I don't understand. Wow! Clearly, That's... something happened to her account. Yes, but from it, years ago, or or clearly something happened to her vagina. Right. Either way, it's she never deleted it though. That's the it. Well, maybe she doesn't know how. 
Right. Or this maybe really, it means the sort of person who's going to have their Twitter account hacked might not know how to use Twitter very well. Wow. This is, yeah, from three years ago. That's, <laughs> well, um... I faved it. <laughs> wow. Wow, Katie. You okay. know what it might have been? Here's, here's, I'm just going to throw out a theory. It might have been that somebody had the Katie Perry account, and yep. then she went to Twitter and got them to hand the account over to her, and she oh, didn't go back and delete stuff. Right. That is possible. I've seen that. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Now, so, I mean, Delaney has 700,000 followers. I think that counts as, at, at the very least, internet famous. Yeah, sure. I think it's, yeah. He's, he's definitely internet famous. I, I was working on, again, I have this problem with professional, which I'm trying to talk about unprofessional things, but I was working on an article that I eventually abandoned because I found the answer was too boring. But I found people who had, like, a million followers on Twitter, and I was like, I want to know why. Like, they're people who seem very ordinary, perfectly great and interesting, but not exceptional in the way that you'd think that someone would have. And it turns out they all were just on early and were featured on Twitter. So people would sign up, would see, uh, you know, this person's account as one of the recommended right. people and they'd follow. So they'd get a million people that way. And and none of them seemed to really be able to use that, you know, million person count to do anything um, that was really beneficial to them, their careers, charities, whatever. So it was sort of the answer was, oh, it's not very interesting at all. But it was still it was still that funny thing. It was like, why does someone have a million followers if they are not a celebrity and are not being retweeted by people who are actually famous or Twitter famous for that matter. So going back to rules for tweeting, I have, <laughs> yes. I have one that is not only a rule, but also a piece of advice that I'd like to offer everybody. Please. I'm, I'm taking notes on Twitter. Remove the word busy from your vocabulary. I am so fucking tired of seeing people tweet about how busy they are. I don't care how busy you are. Don't tell me you're busy. Like I'm not mine is city name. I am in you. I'm like, stop. Oh, it. God. That was funny. Never. It was, you know, oh, I laughed once. maybe once, maybe once you're like, oh, but it, I'm like, like, uh, actually, I'm just going to like search on Twitter while we're sitting here. Like if I search on I am in you on the main street, like, it's funny. I've I get, never like, have done that search on Twitter before. Yeah, I it's like, do, uh... I am, yeah, I am in you. And it's like, it's like, it's just like everyone does this all the time. Yeah. It's like, blah, blah, blah. I'm in you, in it's, you. What's especially galling to me about people who say they're busy on Twitter is clearly they're not because they're tweeting about it. Yeah. Right. I will say what I do. I, I have no problem. Well, let me restart again. I I love the humble brag Twitter account, um, and I hate humble braggers on Twitter. That always right. oh me. well, that's the busy thing. It's like trying to announce to the world, oh, I'm so incredibly busy because I'm popular. And what I what I legitimately what I see is I'm really bad at managing my time, and now I have to <laughs> complain about it passive aggressively because I don't know what else to do. <laughs> That's how I read it. But that's yeah. harder to fit in 140 characters. <laughs> yeah. There should be a hashtag for that. <laughs> it's, it's I am yeah. boring is the hashtag. It's <laughs> the Scott Simpson hashtag. It's the unfollow me hashtag. Right. Yeah. I found, you know, the thing that I've, I find is that I cultivate people who are, um, I think, generally optimistic, funny, and, you know, not like... Pollyannas, but there are people I've unfollowed recently where I'm like, man, that person is such a drag that just seeing them in my Twitter stream, it gets me down because all they have to say is it's negative or it's sad sack or whatever. And it's like, I have people who are sad in my life. That's fine. But I don't need them in my Twitter stream because it drags down my day. And again, I feel like it's my place. So if I'm making a place, why would I invite people in who are, you know, going to say things that make me unhappy that I don't need to hear that are not directed at me? Sometimes you you have to follow people for political reasons. Like yes. you just you come off as an asshole if you don't, or you'll see them at conferences and they'll give you that look like, hmm. "Why don't you follow me?" That's what the mute button's for. 
Oh, yes. see, I don't do that. I will not follow somebody and then just mute them because I feel like I owe them a follow. I'll follow anybody. I've had people ask me to follow them. I'll have people who, you know, we talk, uh, whether it's via Twitter or uh, via email. And oftentimes this is more through work, uh, but not always. But, you know, people who will talk to me uh, and then follow me and they sort of it's clear to me that they expect to follow back. And I'll follow anybody um, and audition them. And if I find you boring <laughs> or uninteresting, then I just unfollow you. And it's not personal. It's, you don't tweet things wow. that I want to read. And that's not your fault. I'm picturing a darkened theater and Lex sitting in the seats and saying, next. And people yeah, going it's basically on stage. It. The, um, I mean, Is there I've, a casting couch? We, I follow you know, 500 people on Twitter or 500 accounts on Twitter. Some of them are like you know, breaking news or whatever. Um, and I tr- do read, I would say, 96% or higher of all the tweets that show up in my timeline. So I have to I have to be picky. So wrong. So wrong. Why can't I change you? Why can't I change you, Lex? No, I follow there's people who I people who I know well who are maybe a little sad sacky, I will follow. There's people I don't know and or only know on Twitter and they're sad sacky or depressing or always angry or snarky. I'm like, I don't need that. Because there's no context. Why would I follow someone I don't really know who is just spewing out negativity? What's, you know, one thing that's interesting to me, and I'm trying to figure out the way to phrase this in a way that it is not humble bragging because I don't intend to be <laughs> humble about it, and B, just isn't going to piss off Dave because Dave hates name dropping. But one thing that's oh, good. Fi- the one thing that's interesting to me with Twitter is partially through Glenn and partially not is the number of quote unquote famous people whom I've not developed personal relationships with, but who have come to me for advice on things that they know me to be good at. Um, and that has been very interesting to me. So the ones I'm specifically thinking of, Dave, are Susan Orlean, mm. who went to me for lots of advice about treadmill desks and then was on the phone with me for hours about treadmill desks and now bought her treadmill desk. And uh, Josh Molina, same topic, who wanted to learn all about treadmill desks. Really? And um, uh, years ago, before he sort of got bigger in the Mac community for whatever reason, uh, Rob Cordry was asking me for Apple advice via Twitter, which That's was funny. very amusing to me. That's funny. Yeah, well, there's, I mean, celebrity is a funny thing, too, is I've always been curious about, like, what it actually means. Is there's people, um, you know, I mean, I got to know Susan on Twitter back when it was sort of younger, and uh, I was like, oh, here's a writer I admire. Oh, I'll <clears throat> tweet at her, and then we've become friends, and it's great. You know, she did that Macworld. Um, and he did his thing where he did, like, 50 tweets to her in a row, at Susan, at Susan, at Susan, and eventually she was like, okay, glad to Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's how you make friends. That's right. <laughs> make friends by, by stalking and harassing them. That's usually my method. Um, or cutting down trees outside my house. Is that bugging, bugging you guys again? I, I love it. I just, well, apparently I live in the middle of the uh, production of the cherry orchard, and um, <laughs> there's a good one. <laughs> Boom. Boom, check off. Wow. Um, anyway, so... I have uh, no idea what just happened. Exactly. Lex does. Lex is a theater geek. So. I, I really have no idea what's what? happening. <laughs> All right. <laughs> The cherry this, all, this all has Uncle to go. Bob, anyway. Let's start over. Welcome to Unprofessional. <laughs> oh, but so, so but celebrities are a funny thing. So on Twitter, it's like I always, I've always liked to talk to people who are interesting, as most people do, and I'm not particularly shy, and I've been reporting for 20 years now. So uh, it's not weird for me to pick up the phone and talk to somebody who has got some kind of fame in the real world or to be someplace and be interviewing. I do less in person. So Twitter, I had the same reaction. I'm like, oh, it's, you know, it's person X, so this person's interesting. Start chatting 
you know, start reply something to them. Then you start a conversation. You're like, oh, we're having a conversation. That's fascinating. I'm talking to Roseanne Cash or whoever who's a fascinating person. And then it's like, oh, you continue the conversation. Like, oh, this person has gone somewhere from famous person who I don't know and admire or maybe even don't know their work that much but know they're famous to interesting person I talk with on Twitter to, in some cases, friend. And you're like, that is a weird and unique thing and you have to lose the idea of celebrity because you don't you know, friends with someone because they're a celebrity unless you're an asshole you're friends with someone because you have some affinity and you enjoy their company and conversation or they find you amusing or whatever so twitter is a fascinating place where there's plenty of people who are you know not famous i become friends with as well and there's a few people who have some degree of you know renown or whatever and i'm like it's the cat- the lack of categorization is is really interesting the people who are most interactive on twitter who have some degree of fame are there to they are interested in people and they make friends with other people as well Let's take a quick break to recognize this episode's sponsor. And this is one that I think is going to be new to a lot of our listeners and exciting to them, Dave. Exciting, I say. I'm excited already. Good. Well, <laughs> keep in your pants. Polite Picks Rapid Ears. You heard me right. Polite Picks Rapid Ears is an iOS framework for real-time speech recognition that doesn't use a network connection. And it's so responsive that you can even use it for game input. So it's great for an app with a moderately sized vocabulary. You can try a demo of Rapid Ears and all the Open Ears platform plugins for free at politepix.com slash shop. And politepix is polite and then pix.com slash shop. And uh, as a special bonus, our listeners, the unprofessional listeners, uh, are invited to take 20% off any PolitePix product for the next two weeks using the code unprofessional. Unprofessional. Where'd they get that code? Uh, I don't know. It's all uppercase, though. So it's like they're screaming it. You have to scream unprofessional at your computer, and the voice recognition will just work and accept the code. Unprofessional! I like, but, I like that it's, uh, it doesn't require a network connection. That's really interesting. That's right. It's, it's the anti-Siri in that respect. But uh, yeah, so it's Rapid Ears, and their tagline is, try doing that over the network. Yeah, chew on that, Apple, yeah. Google Now. Suck it, Siri. Yeah. Rapid Ears doesn't need no network connection. No. You know it does need a network connection, though? What's that? Uh, liking us on Facebook, rating us on iTunes, or uh, following us on Twitter. If you were only going to pick one of those things to do, by the way, I would say go ahead and, and give us a review on iTunes because those reviews are wonderful and they just do so much for my ego. That's true. Uh, Lex calls me every time we get one. <laughs> Dave, we got another one. But soon, if you can build an app that lets me tell Dave about when we get new five-star ratings on iTunes and you build in speech recognition with polite pics, I won't even have to type it out anymore. So there yeah, we go. There we go. The thing about celebrity, uh, I don't, I don't buy it. Well, I mean, I get that there's celebrities. Uh, I don't, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect how I uh, typically will comport myself around people uh, because I, it's, I, I just don't have, I don't place a lot of value on, on fame as its own thing. Like if it's somebody whose work I respect, I'm going to approach them as, Hey, I'm a big fan of whatever, but I don't get nervous around that. Where I do get nervous is when there's a, a weird imbalance in relationship. What I mean is like, a a week or two ago, I went and I saw Jonathan Colton and after the show, I was talking to him and I felt kind of weird because he'd been on the show and I, I, I know the guy, but I don't know him especially well. Mm. And we're to a point where he knows me, he knows who I am, but not as well as I know him. And it felt uh, not like, oh my God, he's famous. I'm nervous, but just, I don't know. It felt kind of strange. I didn't really know how to act. I didn't know. I didn't know how to be in that situation. I mean, it was fine. I'm sure it was fine, but 
At the exact moment, which was Roseanne Cash came through. Uh, so she and I have been chatting on Twitter for a while. I've interviewed her uh, actually a couple times, and we've we've chatted. We've sent some email back and forth. She's a really lovely person and totally down to earth, and she's been famous since she was born. So she's grown up in this weird bubble of everyone always has known who she is and about her life, and she's written memoirs, and it's just she's lived in the public eye, and she's remarkably you know, unselfconscious and unpretentious about everything. So she came to Seattle for a concert. I'm like, oh, I'd love to hear her perform live. She gave a great show. And she's like, come backstage afterwards. So it's this unpretentious venue, too. It's the zoo. And so it's this trailer set up. And I go back, give my name, my wife and I go back. And we chat with her for a little bit. And I'm like, God, you know, I know everything about her. She knows very little about me. And we had a little visit. And there were other people. See, So we didn't stay very long. But it was that same thing where it's like, God, you know, it's a weird imbalance when, like, Jonathan Colton, you know so much about him and his career. Career. And it's not that he is disinterested in you or that he knows nothing about you, but you feel like you're on the wrong end of the, you don't send. So that brain surgery you had, you know, Roseanne Cash had this bizarre, has this brain condition. She had this very dangerous brain surgery to solve a problem. Like you don't just suddenly start talking to someone about that, even though, you know, she's written a memoir involving it. It's, it is awkward. I can understand that. You have to get beyond that for that friendship to develop into something that's not so unbalanced. I also have to think that it's that there's some element of it's harder for a celebrity or for a person with any kind of renown to welcome in a new friend when you know as a celebrity yes. that, that person was a fan to begin with it, because you can you never know who to trust right exactly it has to it's it, there's the trusting like do they only want to be friends with you because i'm famous and it's also just you know like where are you coming from in terms of pursuing this friendship and are you presenting yourself to me in a specific way because of what you believe you know about me and because of my fame like i get i mean certainly i mean dave and i have jonathan colton's number in our iphones <laughs> but that's that's only because his assistant gave it to us while we're setting up the interview and i mean i look at it and smile at it in my contact list when i scroll by his name but i don't call him and he's not expecting my call and uh um, I'll never be friends with Jonathan Colton is what you I'm know trying what? to say, I, and it makes I, me sad. I think if, if, he's, if he was paying any attention at all during that episode, he is definitely expecting your call. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, you know, I think I've talked about this on the show before, but I just – I get – sometimes I feel like I, – I, I certainly don't get intimidated around famous people whether I'm in all of them or not. Um, I, I kind of crave the ability to talk to them. I just feel like I have this need, and it's this is my failing and obviously not their problem, but I have this need to tell people who have made my life better that they've made my life better. And I, I just feel this weird need that I, I've got to tell them. I need these people to know it. And I, one of the things that Twitter does, I think, is make people who you don't know feel more approachable um, and make you feel like you know them way better than you do. It's like, hey, I'm one of the oh, yeah. I'm one of the few thousand people – this was earlier in Twitter's days, I guess – who follows famous person X. Or now I'm you know, one of the hundreds of thousand people. So I see the things they tweet, which they would never say on television or can't because of <laughs> FCC regulations. And um, I don't know. but So you feel like you have that connection with them and i I just you want to you look at the reply streams that some of these famous people get and they're just huge because there's lots and lots of people who clearly feel either that they have that same need to tell them how great they think they are how important they are in their lives or it's just that they feel like hey i've got i can touch you i can reach you through this twitter thing and i'm going to tell you about your greatness from my perspective and uh i mean again my point is i want to be jonathan colton's friend and it's just not going to happen for me (laughs) There's, I've seen extreme examples of that thing of celebrities being weird around regular people who are trying to be nice to them, like people who seem kind of sheltered. And this is – God, this is the opposite of name dropping. Uh, the, an ex-girlfriend was like cousin or second cousin of Stevie Nicks. And we went and we saw Stevie Nicks at uh, Red Rocks 
years ago. And we after the show, we go backstage, and everybody's crowding around, and it's Stevie Nicks, oh my god. And I didn't, I'm not a like a Fleetwood Mac fan. I I, I kind of knew. I mean, I knew who she was, but I wasn't like a big fan or anything. Would you say you're more of a Fleetwood PC? I'm going to skip right Boom. over that. <clears throat> uh, and you're welcome. So I'm not, I'm not a huge fan, but I knew who she was, and I, I was interested. But there's all these people who are like so desperate just to be near her and like have a con- and they they truly idolize this woman. And so when I get over there and I'm I'm talking to her, I finally have a chance to say hello and shake her hand. I noticed that around her dressing room, she had all these little statues of Bob's big boy. And so I say hi, and I didn't like gush or anything. I just kind of look around, like, so what's with all the Bob's big boy statues? And her her face, like her eyes, light up. And she starts telling me this whole story about how years and years ago she was doing an interview and she mentioned that she had a couple of these that she was collecting on tour and then fans just started sending them to her. And so now when she's on tour, whenever they set up her dressing room, they put all those little statues around. It's like a little thing that she takes with her and it's like her, her thing. And she, she enjoys it. And the look on her face, she clearly never got to tell that story. And it was like a real human moment for her. And on the one hand, it was really cool to see that. And on the other hand, it was very clearly a, this is not somebody who has a lot of real human moments with people. <laughs> At least not when she's backstage. After, I, I had the reverse, uh, sort of, not exactly reverse experience, but on the first Mac Mania cruise in <clears> 2002, <throat> uh, they had invited John Delancey, Q, from Star Trek, and also Dr. So-and-so from some daytime soap opera and whatever. You know, well-known mm-hmm. guy in a certain areas, like not a... Famous, I don't know what you call him. I, I wound up calling him the famous celebrity later when I blogged about this because he was a very famous celebrity. And uh, <laughs> he came along. He was sort of interested in Max. And uh, the guy who runs the Mac Mini Cruises is a huge Star Trek fan. And so he'd gone all these Star Trek cruises and had invited John to come along and sort of you know, give a talk about, I don't know if John gave a talk about his career at some point and whatever. But the guy's a total ass. And at some point, I guess he decided. John Delancey is? Yeah, John Delancey's a total, total dick. And um, <laughs> at some point, he decided that he was going to be mean to me. I think he decided certain people he's going to be nice to and certain people he's going to be mean to. And he was uh, just... Um I was trying to be just, you know, he's another guy. I wasn't talking to him inappropriately, but he just consistently would just say really dickish things to me that were intended to make me feel bad. And they look at me and kind of like, oh, no, I didn't blah, blah, blah. It was just crazy. It happened a bunch of times. And I'm like, oh, this is an accident. At some point, I just started essentially ignoring him. And then he would like, he wasn't tracking me down, but then he would just start talking to me and trying to, I think, like... Uh, be more appealing because he realized he'd gone too far and it was like what is wrong with you needy crazy famous celebrity so I wrote this blog post that was like the famous celebrity you know needs to be loved if, and people didn't the Mac Mania people people on the cruise were not that interested in him because they were it was not that huge a Star Trek right. contingent so people were not giving him enough attention and he got mad and then he put in stage a, a shit fit when they started giving us a debarkation uh, disembarkation instructions and uh, he's like I have to work I have to work this morning. And they're like, well, you know, the, we might not be able to, just, to get off until 10 or 11. There's these numbers and whatever. He's like, I need to. What? And he goes off and he comes back with a number one. He's like, you just have to ask. It's like, and in that room, I could feel all of the uh, all of the attendees, all of their, any feeling of positivity they had about him that was left was gone. It's like, God. That's that's really. I mean, first of all, I should say, if I were allowed to talk about anything technical, I would mention that I'll be one of the speakers on Mac Mania 16. In yeah, France, November 29th to December 6th, but I'm not allowed. Not allowed. Um, but, you know, what uh, you, you made me think about the. I have 
never respond, been responded to by uh, Al Yankovic on Twitter, although I've met the man several <laughs> times in person. Um, I interviewed him uh, when I was a kid, like probably 14 or 15 years old. Uh, and so that was, let's say, let's say it was around 1995. I interviewed him backstage before a show in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And then... In we my, are name dropping the least impressive collection of celebrities we possibly can. <laughs> so, so that, but the, the, where I'm going here is 1999. Um, 1999. I am. Uh, I go to see him while I'm in college, and I'm going with a girl who has somehow befriended Al through postal mail, where she found his actual address and had written him a letter, and he oh, called her creepy. in response, which is like totally creepy. Yeah. Um, He's happily married now with a kid, so we're going to let it slide. Uh, but so he had written to this college. I was a sophomore and she was a freshman. He had written back to this college freshman. And so she had arranged to get backstage tickets to three Al shows in three days in the Boston area. And at the first of these three shows, uh, I go backstage with her because she gave me her other ticket. And he sees me. And my name's not on these tickets because they're in her name. And he sees me. He goes, Lex Friedman, Hershey, Pennsylvania. And... Uh, <laughs> I have always been wow. impressed by that. Now, so the thing is, I mean, he does get a lot of very weird fans. Yeah. I mean, you go to, unfortunately, for two musical acts I love to see, when you go to see They Might Be Giants or you go to see Weird Al and you look at the audience, you're like, man, I hope I'm not like these people. Um, but you're, you're exactly you like are. those people. You know, you are the, all, every one of those people is you, in fact. It's true. Mm. But so, I mean, I was impressed by Al's ability to not just, you know, be friendly to the freaks and geeks and Lex Friedman who come back to meet him, but uh, the fact that he remembered me from three years prior, I was, I don't know. That to me seemed like he was uh, really good at remembering people's names, I guess. Well, here's something that's funny that's happening to me is, is I'm not a celebrity. I do not pretend to be a celebrity. I do things. To, get I, off know, this show. Get off the show. We only, I am, uh, we're following uh, but I'm actually starting to become, uh, I've noticed in recent months when I've gone to things or some of the communications I get, I've become a tiny, tiny bit of net famous or something because people treat me a little differently. I get people come up. I had people come up to me at the XOXO conference, which was an absolutely lovely event about creativity and technology and whatever. And it's like the best conference I've ever attended. And I had like a little fanboyishness from men and women. It was very interesting. Like people were clearly nervous to talk to me and were sort of gushing about my work and it was like, okay, I don't know how to deal with this because I from my standpoint, you know, there's that what what do you do when you're a celebrity? It's like what are you doing that is celebrated? And some people are Paris Hilton who do nothing. Some people are, you know, creative artists who you just, you know, you're draw drops and you just love their work like a Jonathan Colton or Roseanne Cash or you know or my friends who's in Orlean for Orlean for instance who's a fantastic writer whose work I admire I'd love to write more like her but what do I do you know I have a basement office I think about stuff I write I do some programming I don't I don't do anything that I feel warrants having a response like that so it's very odd to me to even get a sliver of it where i'm like wow that's funny because i know what my life is like i don't know what they're projecting on me about my life being interesting but to me i mean i love my life but it's not particularly fits in a mold of something that people be like oh my god i just met glenn fleischman like whatever I get that a little bit at conferences. I do enough mm-hmm. of them that I, I, I'll have people come up to me at conference B because they saw my talk at conference A and remembered me and they want to say they like my talk. And again, it's the imbalance of relationship that throws me. I don't know what to say to that. Like, cool. I, I met like a, a thousand people that day. I'm sorry. I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I, don't I, I can't say that. So I've, I've learned to do things. When people come up and say, hi, I say nice to see you instead of nice to meet you because I've fucked that one up more than a few times. Yes. <laughs> very good. Well, that's but very I, good. 
I, I don't I don't know how to how to act. It's, I don't I don't feel like I've done something to be famous. I certainly don't feel famous. I'm not famous. It's just a, it's a recognition thing, and it has nothing to do with celebrity. It's merely recognition, and even that is enough to throw me off socially. It's a funny thing because there's a little you know we all we we crave recognition. Most people crave recognition. Lex absolutely does clearly. And, oh God, uh, yeah. Oh my God, so that guy. About that. Wow. And uh, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? We love him. Anyway, we love you, Lex. So, you were completely um, silent for that. That was the uh, best part. It's a dead tone there. So, the, but we you know we crave we crave recognition. But then it's like, well, what is it? It's like you know, it's one thing if you're I mean, to be let's let's be totally blunt about something. If you're a rock musician, you know, what do you you were touring in the sixties or seventies? Everything's free and easy, right? Or even now, it's like a lot of people get into music because they want to screw a lot of people. They want to do whatever they want to do. They want to do drugs. They want to be accepted by people and brought into every party and walk in a room and everyone say that's the guy we want to. I can, can I say can I use f words on this? I can't remember. Yes. Okay, that's the guy I want to fuck, right? So no, you can't say that. Oh, damn it. All right. Damn. <laughs> hellfire. So, you know, yes, so you there's like motivation the like This is not a kid show. Good. All right. Well, there's motivation like that where, I don't know if it's got the iTunes explicit rating. Anyway, there's motivation like that where you know that, you know, some people are going dick forward. Like, that's what their celebrity is about. Other people have like... A, you can't say that you can't either. Say that. So other, people, <laughs> other people like Lex have an insatiable need of approval. And Oh, sorry. And... Um, as I do as well. And it's the, you become a celebrity. People work their way up, claw their way to a position in which they are famous, in which millions or hundreds of millions of people know them to fulfill some, you know, thing inside them that says, I have to be approved by lots and lots of people and nobody. And that's, that was the John Delancey thing is he could not be, have made it more clear how unhappy he was that people were not fawning over him, even though when people occasionally did fawn over him, not yours truly, who was trying to ignore him, uh, then his response was never very positive either. So, you know, what is it that we're actually looking for? It's like you can't have a relationship with millions of people, but some people want that feeling as if they are deeply approved of by an enormous number of people. Uh, I don't like it for the sake of recognition. What I do like is hearing that somebody likes something that I did, whether that's uh, a favorite or a retweet on Twitter or somebody saying they liked my talk or people saying that they like the show. Uh, it's I, I like knowing that we're doing something, that I'm doing something that's worthwhile, mm-hmm. that my, my effort's not in vain. That's the outward focus part. I yeah. think that's exactly right. And it's, it's you know, it's I don't I, I don't crave recognition um but i really like it <laughs> i mean, like for me a lot of the things i do i mean i should have been if i didn't care about you know income or stability or family then i could have been a live performer of some sort because i do appreciate getting immediate feedback to whatever i do right so i could be a full-time improv troupe member and die alone and penniless but i would have a lot of fun doing that job each day but a l- most of what i do uh whether professional or hobby based is you fire it off into the void and then you sort of wait yeah. and see. And it's like it's not like I'm going to refresh Macworld over and over again to see if a, an opinion piece gets a lot of comments because if it does, I'm not going to want to read them. And if I do, I'm going to be disappointed by them anyway. And, you know, when the, the when you look at the number of favorites or retweets I'm going to get on Twitter, it's still going to be a very low number. So what I like is when I when you fire something out there into the world and people appreciate it and you don't even um, – you don't even – I sort of you forget it, but then it's existed, or you, you've done the work so much longer before it comes out there, and then you hear about it. That's what's exciting. My point, what I'm trying to get at is, <laughs> you know, I wrote a thing for the magazine about having uh, no power during Hurricane Sandy, and I wrote it 
before it ran and then it ran and I wasn't thinking about it because I had already written it or like several days prior and then people started tweeting about how they liked it I was like oh yeah I did that and people liked it or when we do this show we usually tape an episode like this is we're recording this it's 1987 right now so we record these way in advance <laughs> my um, sideburns look fantastic <laughs> right Glenn by the way good luck on Jeopardy and um so but when that you know when that happens and then later people are like hey that was a great show that's always very exciting because I've forgotten about it and it's like hey something that I did uh, past Lex has totally paid off for Future Lex because Future Lex just made someone's day because they enjoyed the thing that he created I like that that's, that's I, cool. I like that you you say I forgot about it because I'm usually editing the show the day before so I remember every <laughs> word <laughs> yeah I, I definitely have the better end of that deal no but my, my thing is and you know again to hit upon the issue of professionality and passing is like my work is not a masturbatory exercise i don't do it for my own pleasure there are people who you know whose work when you say is, it was it referring to masturbatory or oh, was it referring right. to your work and uh I'm not talking about your work i'm talking about my okay. work and i mean there's people who there's, seriously there's, that would be an incredible job it's, i've always been i've always been a, a crafts i've always thought myself as a craftsperson not as an artist and you know and that's true i think with words as well as uh, i was trained as a graphic designer and when i did graphic design graphic design is a craft it's something that you practice it has here, a commercial here. version i mean it's commercial in nature and you can do beautiful aesthetic things from it that are non-commercial you can do commercial things that are beautiful and aesthetic but it is a job it is a way of thinking about the world in order to communicate a message typically for a commercial purpose and as a result i uh, and i i very much oriented around not necessarily needing the the adulation or positive constant feedback but that i am doing what i do in order that other people read see enjoy it and if it has no value i will find something else to do that has more value to other people because I, I am not self-directed. I am not a up in my atelier, um, you know, writing, spending seven years to craft Madame Bovary type person. It's already been written, so it wouldn't be a weird exercise to write Madame Bovary now, anyway. Right. But you could rewrite it. You could, you could, uh, Madame Bovary and zombies. People, that's actually a great Borges story. There's a Jorge Luis Borges story about a guy who rewrites Don Quixote, but the whole point is that he writes it as if he is writing it fresh. He has to give himself the entire experience that it makes sense to write the book word for word as Cervantes wrote it. It's very, you know, it's Borges. That's his thing. That might be the weirdest thing that's ever been said on this podcast. No, I, I could probably top that. Uh, that That is definitely the weirdest thing. I was referring back to when I was imagining masturbation as a job. So, <laughs> What a job. It's a pastime, not a job. 